Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For thousands of years, human beings have wondered about entering the afterlife. Do we climb a golden staircase or walk towards a light? Is it a vast, expansive paradise or just an endless, meaningless void? Turns out it's none of those things. It's just me, waiting with my clipboard, ready to collect three questions for God. This is God Only Knows, a brand new podcast that kills its guests before they even get to say a word. Only to meet them as they step out of the eternal elevator and submit their three questions to God, whoever or whatever he, she or it may be to them. Joining me today straight out of the eternal elevator is Matt Ford. Hello, Matt. Hello. Um, now, before you begin and um, submit your questions, I need to fill out a bit of an eternal profile for you. So okay. I need a few details. Uh, your full name? Matthew James Thomas Ford. Very nice. Uh, your occupation? Stand-up comedian. And any notable achievements? Not really, no. Nothing? Well, I, I, what thing is, I think of achievements as almost um, awards or, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I've achieved things in my life, yeah. but I would never think about... Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few. So um, Unspun <laughs> is on what, third series, fourth series? We did four series. Four series of Unspun yeah. for Dave, which was probably the only political comedy show on British TV, which That's was right. amazing. I was a big fan. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you've done Question Time. A few times, yeah. A few times now. Uh, you're a regular commentator on politics with a kind of a comedic slant in the UK. Yeah. I'm, g- I'm going to give you your achievement. I'm going to say Matt Ford is the most uh, prolific and brilliant political comedian we have in the UK today. Oh, How about my that? Is that word. a good one? I didn't even oh write it down. Words. I didn't even write it down. It's oh, right that is there for far you. too kind. Well, that's, um, that's really that's making me blush. That's very kind. Thank uh, you. How are you feeling about this? Really excited. Okay. Is that, is that something you think about? Not really. Okay. I kind of, I, th- I think because I had a number of relatives die when I was quite young, so I never learned death through pets. Okay. It was through the loss of people. Mm. And that's not to belittle people who experienced mm. uh, grief through, through pets dying. But um, my granddad's um, brother is a great uncle, but we called him Uncle mm. Joe. He died when I was about eight or nine. Uh, I had an auntie who died in her 40s about a year later, and then my granddad wow. died after that. And because I was brought up by my mum... My granddad really was my father figure. Yeah. So there they, they were big losses very, very early yeah. on. Um, and I just think that probably gave me a very good early education in the fact that we do die. Yeah. You can't really sugarcoat it. Yeah, It's very, very hard. And then I just think, well, I just thought, well, we're all dead. 
in, 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 but not in a not in a negative way. Yeah, I was like, well, yeah, that's yeah. great. You know, we're all going to die. Yeah, in a yeah, way, yeah. there's a great equality about death yeah. that it happens to us all, no matter how rich or poor. And uh, you get on with your life while you can. Mm. What about God? Do you think about God much? I used to a lot. I, my mum was a nun before she had me. No. Yeah. So she was a nun uh, for about 15 years. Wow. Yeah, Catholic nun. And then um, obviously left. <laughs> <laughs> That's how uh, me and my sister happened. And then we went to church as kids. Mm. And we just would go to wherever the local one was. So it was Church of England at first. And I was an altar boy and grew up absolutely believing in God. Mm. Um, and don't anymore. But how can I be sure? So mm. I don't think I believe in that sort of God anymore. But the, the, the world and the universe are such incredible places. Mm. It's hard not to wonder. So I, I occasionally ponder it, but, but not as much as I would have done as a child, I think. And when you imagine God, so when we kind of, when we kill you off, when we get to this point, where what does God look like? Who are you talking to? I have this conversation with my girlfriend a lot. So actually maybe we do talk about it a bit more than, than I thought. But she'll jokingly say God's a woman. Mm. And I'd say to her, if God is a woman, she's not been very fair on other women. Because the world is, <laughs> is, you know, is still, mm. despite all the great leaps in progress, mm. Uh, a male-dominated world mm. in a very unfair and profound way. Mm. So I would struggle with the idea. It makes more sense in a way that then God is a man. <laughs> Unless God is playing a very, very long game, which mm. if you believe in evolution, then I suppose he is, mm. or it is. Mm. I think it's hard to get just beyond when you Im imagine God, all the imagery you're bombarded with of clouds, an old bloke with a beard. Yeah. So I've never really imagined God to look any other different to that. Interesting. Now, um, first things first, um, it's not the most you know easy thing to say, but I do have to kill you before we can begin. That's so okay. uh, uh, can I invite you to spin this spinning wheel of death for me? Have a yes. look. So there's lots of things on there. Uh, <laughs> we have no idea how wow, it's going to Wow, this is, this is a lot of effort that's gone into this. There's loads of great stuff. So you have got, you fell off a piano on stage at the O2. Oh, amazing. I play the piano. So this, Do that, you? Yeah, yeah. So that means I didn't I, even know that. Yeah, yeah. So that means I get to play the O2. And oh, well, I'm like, Tommy Cooper died at the Palladium. So that's like, in a way, I join a great canon of... Yeah. Comedy deaths in big venues. The, I mean, the O2's a big gig for a stand-up comic, right? I mean, yeah. that's... Uh... And imagine dying there. And I'd have managed to get the piano into the show somehow. Well, that I mean, that's the thing. you've Because you haven't brought it out so far. But I like the <laughs> idea that it's coming. I like the idea that I might have just made that happen. We're going to get political songs from here yeah. on in. Do you, um, do you like performing? Love it. Of course. Oh, man. I, I did a gig last night and... Um, we had a drink with some friends and they're like, oh, do you get nervous? You know, the sort of things that people ask stand-ups. Yeah. And I don't really get nervous as such. I get, I want it to be good yeah. um, for the audience. Um, but there is no, I've no, there's nothing really in life that substitutes for the, as a comedian, to play to a really great, you know, mm. in, a, in, a, in, a, in the ideal venue, in the ideal room, busy and getting big laughs. Mm. There is no other feeling like it. Mm. I love it. The bulk of what you do, a lot of what you do is politics right now. Mm. So Brexit, Trump, everything. This is a, is it a great time or a terrible time to be a political comedian? It's a great time to be a political comedian. It's obviously a bad time to be a human. Care about the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really bad. And I, have, I do sometimes have to um, not separate how I feel about it, but I get very angry when I watch mm. the news and I get very angry when I hear some of the things that people come out with. But I don't really want to be an angry comedian. Mm. So, because it's just not, I'm not a really an angry person, mm. but it's, um, and not just Brexit and Trump, there's so many other things that are going on that are infuriating mm. and entirely preventable. And that's mm. the the main problem I have with this area is, we say, oh, it's all gone mad, hasn't it? And you're like, but not by accident. Mm. This is by the design of a few people mm. who misused the power that, that we entrusted them with. 
Um, and that's what I really struggle with. Um, you have to retain some sort of positivity and you have to be fairly philosophical, mm. however hard things get. And maybe I'm saying that from a position of relative privilege, so it's mm. easy for me. But still, there's always hope. Well, let's get on. Uh, you've yeah, found you out how you've me. died. You've dropped off the piano. <laughs> okay. I mean, great way to die. Amazing. Great I mean, way to die. I would never in my wildest dreams have thought of that. So let's crack on with your three questions for God. What's your first one? What's the best way to lose weight? Oh, uh, no, you're asking for a friend. No, absolutely not. I'm asking for me. Really? Oh, I'm chubby at the moment. Really? Don't you think? No. Oh, you're very kind. I've just, my clothes have just got a little bit tighter. Okay. Recently. Is and that I'm how s- you tell? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have one shirt. If I put on that shirt, <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. And then it's when I see myself on things. Okay. Huge jowl. Okay. I look like Fred Elliott sometimes. I just think, oh, man. And and obviously, so the last few years, your profile has really risen. You were you were so I think for people who don't know, you you were a Labour Labour Party member and activist. You worked, right. I worked in the, the Blair, party. Yeah, in yeah. The Blair government. Um, you then suddenly start doing stand up. You absolutely sell out Edinburgh every year. So much so, even your agent won't give me a ticket anymore. Which is, <laughs> oh, no way. I'm very I'll sorry about it. It's fine. I'll get you um, in. Contact but, me directly. But the um, but but your show sells out every year. You are just packed out every yeah. time. Um, and then you start to do things like Question Time and you start to appear on telly and then you get your own show. Did that change how you viewed yourself? Oh, my word. I don't think so. God, that is a heck of a question. The answer's no, but it's, what the question I suppose I'm trying to answer is how do I view myself? Mm. And that's tricky because if you're doing stand-up, you've obviously got a level of self-belief. Mm-hmm. My main thought is I can't believe I'm doing this for a job. Mm. This is amazing and I want to keep doing it. Mm. And... I never really understand. You see the monster sort of in other people sometimes, and they do change a bit if mm. they get a bit of success. And you just think, I don't. This should make you behave better. This should make you happier. Mm. Like why? Why are you getting so angry mm. if you if you're getting on telly and you're you know mm. doing well or, or whatever? But in terms of yourself, like enjoy it mm. and 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 be. Um, be positive. When your profile rises, so you get your own show, particularly things like Question Time and, and all those other bits and like Politics Live and stuff like yeah, that, which yeah. I've seen you do. Um, <laughs> do you find that, does stuff come in? Do you get attacked online? Do you find people commenting Yeah, on I get you? a lot of stick online. Hmm. Um, I also get a lot of positive stuff online. Hmm. I, so I, I did late night radio for many years at TalkSport and that really toughened me up. I was doing hmm. overnight shifts from, from midnight till six in the morning, wow. from one till six non-stop talk for five or six hours. A real rough and tumble with callers yeah. ringing you, calling you all names of the sun. <laughs> Three in the morning, yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. talking exactly, radio. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, that really toughened me up. Yeah. So then when Twitter came along and I started interacting with people on that, it didn't really bother me too mm. much. If it's, you know, you can just mute people. Mm. And I just think you have to be philosophical about it. Anyone who's got an opinion and is prepared to put it out there is going to have people disagree with them. Some people are more diplomatic than others. But I always think if people are going to be really rude to you, it reflects far more on them mm. than it does on you. You can't take it personally. Mm. The occasion, the ones that really get me are the kind of snark. You know, people are saying they're going to slip my throat or, you know, dump me in a skip somewhere. I just think, well, it's obviously not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's when people, I mean, I say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Challenge accepted, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, don't do it, don't do it. It's the ones that go... Uh, it's the ones that are kind of sarcastic or, okay. or maybe, you know, play on your insecurities where they say, yeah, yeah, I watched that show. You were the worst thing on it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you little rot. You know, they're the ones that <laughs> you just mute them and then you yeah. move on. Um, so what have you tried to lose weight along down the years? 
Exercise been the main thing. Okay. So I, I did the London Marathon about nine years ago, oh, and that you? really helped. Yeah, and I, I've, it kept me. It, I hadn't done any exercise for probably about a decade before then. So oh, wow. since leaving school to for about ten years, I just hadn't really moved. Mm. And, then, um, <laughs> and then, and then I was like, I've got to lose weight. I did the marathon with a mate of mine, and then that's just kept me running. Mm. So I went running again yesterday. But I go through periods with it. And part of the problem is I'm asthmatic. Which means I just haven't been able to mm. run as much. And that's the main thing because I've got a huge appetite. Mm. So um, I found some great fad diets. Do you want to hear them? Yes, please. Uh, so tell me if you know of them. Um, the vinegar diet. Do you know the vinegar diet? It doesn't sound very so nice. So this is when you had to drink a cup of vinegar and a raw egg. And that was it. There were some side effects of vomiting. Genuinely, that's what it Side effects include vomiting, which is, seems remarkably unsurprising. So how many times a day would you have to do that? I think it was a couple. Okay, so yeah. that's what, and why is, does it fill you up then the vinegar? I, don't know. Right? I can't imagine it just makes you want to not eat. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah. Um, there was the Graham diet. Um, Sylvester Graham, who invented the Graham cracker, his best diet was no sex, abstinence. That was genuinely his diet. Was what? No, yeah. How does that help? I'm not sure. Because that would burn off calories. Well, you'd think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, that felt more like a punishment than a diet. Uh, the vision <laughs> diet was to wear blue glasses, like that one. Uh, or my favourite, this is absolutely true, 1727, right, Thomas Scott did a did this kind of piece of research where he, he discovered that people who lived near swamps tended to be uh, heavier than people who didn't. So he invented the avoiding living near swamps diet. Wow. He basically conflated the idea that if lots of fat people live near swamps, the best way to not uh, be fat was to not live near a swamp. Oh, my God. I You've got to admire I'd... the logic. Yeah, I'd, I'm just trying to think where my nearest swamp is. <laughs> and whether, you, you how... Well, yeah, inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've inadvertently, I've done it, I've inadvertently yeah. gained 10 points. That's why my shirt doesn't fit. I'm too close <laughs> to the swamp. So your first question, uh, what's the best way to lose weight? I'm not sure what God would say to that one. I'm not sure if he could help. I think you want a magic pill, don't you? You want a kind yeah. of a... Yeah. I think I know the answer, which is eat less and move more. Yeah, that's a boring that's answer though, right? That's no, not the answer I just thought they God might... Yeah, might have a secret one. one. We'll see. Okay, moving on, and your second question. Why am I so ticklish? Now, this, this feels like in the 70s on television, this would have been begging to be tested, but it's 2019, and also it's a podcast, so I'm not coming near you. Thank you. Uh, but, so you are ticklish, are you? Highly ticklish. I always have been. So at school, I would get tickled a lot by classmates. Really? Because I, it would make me scream. And then I'd get to, because I was laughing and giggling, it would give the illusion I was enjoying myself. Yeah. I was in physical pain. So I was constantly getting told off for making noise. It's like, oh, you can, it's so, how do you complain about being tickled? It sounds like such a, it sounds like you're lying. It's the perfect attack, really, isn't it? To it tickle is. someone, because they have, you can't just come out of that. They're getting, they get told off, which always happened. There was always a ticklish kid in every class. So, so they're so getting ticklish. tickled. The teacher then tells them off, and what can they say? But they were tickling me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. And I'm ticklish basically on the underside of everything. Oh, so no. On the outside of my arm, I'm fine, but yeah. everything in there yeah. and all down my sides, yeah. most of my back. So it's a nightmare for my girlfriend. <laughs> it, it, like when she's cuddling me and I'm oh. And she thinks, she's like, why are you reacting? I'm like, I can't. Yeah. This is a nervous reaction. Yeah. That I like I that you said it's a nightmare for your girlfriend. We should have her here really to see how she feels about it. She can't really answer for herself. We've reached out for a comment, but she hasn't said anything. No, but she will sometimes tickle me for her amusement. <laughs> And the problem is, is that I can't, I then start flailing around. Yeah. Like, you, I could hurt you doing this and I'm not in control. So does that, so you remember that all the way back? Like you got early memories. I've been ticklish from a very young age. Really? So ticklish. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm nearly, oh, nearly, apart from the bits that kind of get weathered yeah. by the, um, by the elements. Yeah. 
everything that's pale is ticklish, basically. Wow. That's a nightmare. It's funny these days because lots of people now don't like the, like don't like kids being tickled. There's like lots of stuff about how what it actually does to your brain being tickled. Like there's really? lots of stuff about how it kind of because um, because like you said you you described it perfectly, which is what presents as pleasure, but actually it's the same type of mechanism as often pain, yes. and also it's out of control. That's like, it. That your fear of going, oh my goodness, I don't know how this ends, actually <laughs> can be quite can be quite damaging uh, in yeah. that younger stage because actually you you feel like it's like someone essentially tying you up. Yes, it's that thing of going. I don't know how this ends. It's yes. really interesting. It's awful, and it, it, it and you're absolutely right. It's the illusion mm. that it's that you're enjoying it, mm. um, and obviously that gave me. A, <laughs> I was just so annoyed that I was always the one getting mm. told off. Like it was obvious that they're touching mm. me, and that's what I'm reacting mm. to. Um, it also puts you at the centre of attention. Yes. That story, for me, I think, okay, so you, you have this thing that then becomes the thing in your class, which then becomes a kind of a public thing and then yes. leads to... Um, how, when did you become aware that you wanted to kind of perform or be or be that? Because that's what you do for a living. You make people laugh for a living, which yeah. is what the kids were doing when they were tickling you. You were, you were kind of part of that. Uh, that's right. Um, I think the thing with performing is you want the attention, but on your terms. You don't want it all the time mm. or for the sake of it. Mm. But I think I remember... It must have been year eight, so however old that would have been, second year of uh, of secondary school, doing a school talent show where I impersonated some of the teachers and a couple of football voices, and then it went really well. And then I was like, oh, God, you know. Uh, and then I started going to watch stand-up in Nottingham, just at local comedy clubs, and it just, fe- it just felt like it was a natural progression. So I did my first gig when I was 16, just tried out some stuff mm. in a comedy club in Nottingham broadly rubbish mm. but it sort of went okay mm. and from then on I was like I think mm. you know that was where my burning desire mm. was and then around the same time so you joined the Labour Party when you're what 13, 14? 15 oh. I wrote to Tony Blair when I was 14 uh, but you can't join at the age of 14 so I had to wait to my 15th birthday and, and you join sign, so you sign up straight away yeah yeah and then so that's sort of around the same time oh yeah so the two were going at the same time yeah so I was getting really politicised and very active in the Labour mm. Party as well as uh, discovering stand-up and talk us a little bit like tell me a little bit about how you kind of like work your way through the Labour Party because you end up working at quite a high level don't you, you so I worked for of... the party for a while yes yeah. mm. so I, I just started volunteering in the low I just completely threw myself into it as as a football fan would and I, I often draw parallels between the two is that it's quite tribal and you pick your side mm-hmm. and then well, the main reason I joined the Labour Party was I thought society was really unfair and mm-hmm. still do and I thought you, you, I wanted to do something about mm. it so I joined Labour and then started working for some local MPs uh, and then got seconded to the party from one of them. I remember working on these by-elections were amazing. And I never really appreciated the Labour Party machinery. Mm. I knew what an MP was, mm. and I knew that they had staff, but I never really knew what party staff did. Mm. So then I got sucked into that world of going all over the country, running election campaigns, wow. local elections, by-elections, as well as learning the Labour Party rule book inside mm. out, having to expel people. Mm. And you know, that, obviously, all that knowledge is really relevant now with what's happening in the Labour Party. <laughs> so, you know, you, you understand why these rules existed. Mm. And, and the fact that those rules are now not being applied or, mm. or, or being warped is a real sign that the Labour Party has completely changed. Mm. Um so it was just, a, it was a phenomenal time. I just got sucked mm. into it so quickly. And whether it was leafleting in Loughborough mm. or, you know, door mm. knocking in Nottingham or wherever it was, I, it gives you something that I think religion gives people, mm. that football gives people, is that sense of belonging, that mm. sense that you're doing something good for the world, that you're trying to change something. Mm. And what I loved more than anything was going out door knocking. Mm. 
I mean, over the years that I worked in politics, I must have spoke to th- spoken to thousands of people across the UK. And when you knock on someone's door and you speak to them face to face, a lot of them are very angry. Mm. And you get a real sense, I think, of where the British people are. Mm. And so many people in politics never do that. And until you've had to explain to someone face to, to a stranger face to face, you've interrupted their evening mm-hmm. or their afternoon, and you're telling them why they should vote for mm-hmm. your party mm-hmm. or what the problems in their local area are, you never fully appreciate, I think, the undercurrents of public opinion. Mm. Um, so that was just the, the most amazing political mm. education was mm. Wales, Scotland, everywhere. Mm. In all these different elections, all these different times... And I just thought it was amazing. I would, I would, I would happily have just worked on by-elections for the rest mm. of my life for a period. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, where the Labour Party is now um, and how that is. You, you also really interestingly um, kind of compared it to like being part of a religious group or a, a faith group. Yeah. So watching what's happened now to the Labour Party, how do you articulate that? What's happened to the Labour Party in the last five years? The Labour Party, it really, and I have to remind friends of this, isn't the Labour Party anymore. It uses the Labour Party brand, but the Labour Party, since it's... I think a lot of people really misunderstand Labour Party history because, of course, most people haven't read it because why on earth would you, right? <laughs> so I totally accept that from a young age when I was reading about yeah, yeah, yeah. the Chartists and uh, Sydney and Beatrice Webb and the Fabians and all that, that, that was a peculiar, specific interest to have. But the history of the Labour Party was never this hard-left group at all. Mm. It was always a moderate party. It's absolute number one objective was to win as many seats in Parliament as possible in order to represent not just working people, but the middle classes as well, all people. It was a true one-nation party. It was always not just the trade unions, but the Fabian Society, the cooperative movement, all these other different groups. It was always a rainbow of moderate people, but with a strong element on on helping working people and, and obviously tackling inequality. What Jeremy Corbyn has done is take Labour completely away from that tradition. So it's not this isn't like these aren't Labour Party values. Mm. I have to try and remind people that mm. it calls itself the Labour Party. It's hijacked the the the, the framework of the Labour Party. Mm. And it, it uses that brand, but it is it isn't Labour at all. Um, and I find that really sad because it means that those values that for so long were very popular with the public that mm. won three elections not that long ago mm. now aren't represented really in Parliament. Mm. I I guess my question then is about. What do you do when it's taken from you? What do you do when the thing that you love and the thing that you believe in then stops looking like what you know it to be? It's very hard. Obviously, part of you wants to look elsewhere because the part of the problem is is it's not as if, though, the Tories have inhabited the space that Corbyn has deserted. Mm. They've both drifted out. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge gaping gap in the middle. Mm. And I think part of the problem on top of that is centrism is seen as a kind of mushy middle that doesn't have a coherent set of values, that is almost a compromise rather than a value in itself. Mm-hmm. And centrism probably isn't the right word for it. Yeah. But the idea that liberal people on the centre-left don't have a co- as coherent set of values as Corbyn or Farage, I could take people say, well, what are the values? Pro-European, mm-hmm. pro, when it comes to it, intervention, mm-hmm. strong on public services, strong on defence and strong on crime. Mm-hmm. That, that's very easy to yeah. articulate. <laughs> and I think that's where most people are. Yeah. Socially liberal. Yeah. Um, but economically responsible, yeah. redistributive, but not too punitive. On t- I mean, this aren't, this isn't like rocket science. No. I think most people would tick those boxes. Mm. Well, I don't know anymore why you're so ticklish, but I've thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed where we ended up. I can't up. believe that started with tickling. I feel we know a little bit more about you than we did before, <laughs> so I'm happy with that. Hold up. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And finally, you get one more question. Make it a good one. Um, how come we could put a man on the moon but we haven't been able to invent a zero-calorie beef burger. Well, first things first. So we put a man on the moon, did we? We've, that's happened. We're, uh... Oh, no. Oh, God. I'm going to go down an internet rabbit hole here. Do you, do you think we put a man on the moon? Yes, of course oh, I do. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I do. I like the idea that people don't know. I mean, conspiracy theories are a wonderful world of fascination. Right. I went down a rabbit hole with Flat Earthers years ago <clears throat> when I used to be on Talk Sport. And we encountered a few of them. <laughs> And once it's on your radar, I mean, and obviously at first, the first time you hear of this, you think, well, they're obviously joking. Yeah. No one thinks the earth is yeah. flat. Now, when you grow up, you laugh about how yeah. in olden times people thought the earth was flat and how daft they were. <laughs> and then now, with all the technology improved we have, but I remember the, the moment it comes on your radar, it's almost like purple cars. The moment you're looking for them, you see them everywhere. Uh-huh. And I remember being up in, so near where I live in northwest London, I started seeing flat earth stickers around. And then I was up in Perthshire, in Scotland, and saw them around. I was like, obviously, there's like a network of these people yeah. that just distribute these. Probably yeah. a relatively small amount of people, but once it's kind of on your stickers radar, are cheap, aren't they? Stickers are cheap. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, they could just yeah. drive around, put yeah. them everywhere, yeah. you know, over the course of a couple of weekends. But it was, it, you realise there's this whole group of people that, if you believe in the flat Earth, I think you probably believe in loads more conspiracy. Totally, things. they breed. Those yes. things breed. So it's part of a wider yeah. view that actually yeah. the. Everything you're told is a lie. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give you some, right? I want you to Great. tell me where you're at on them, okay? okay. I want to see if there's any way I could... Because I sort of assumed you wouldn't be much of a conspiracy theory no, guy, no, other no. than for material. Yeah. I like it. Uh, chemtrails? No, absolutely okay. not. Uh, JFK? 
No. Although I don't... The thing is with JFK... Uh, I think Lee Harvey Oswald did it. Okay. But then I think they're probably... They're maybe, Lee Harvey Oswald was then killed yeah. himself. So that's intriguing. Also, maybe a little... Maybe a little. A glow, I, think, oh, I only I, took two. I, I, got him, I got him after two. That was easier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Paul McCartney. Oh, he's definitely still alive. Definitely. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah, don't yeah. think he's going anywhere. I think that's a conspiracy theory. He's going to be here forever. <laughs> he's outliving all of us, barefoot and all. Uh, aliens. I don't think they've visited us, but I wouldn't rule out life on other planets. Okay, just because, like, statistically, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we haven't been out. Yeah. Uh, new Coke. Was it put out to make us love Coke more, or was it? <laughs> that's my oh, favourite. I love that. No, I think that was a genuine. They just cocked it up. Genuine mistake. Real genuine mistake. <laughs> Why do you think people believe in them? Why do we get drawn into them? Now, there's a great. Who was it who said? Oh, about. There's a famous government minister once said, "Most things are cock up rather than conspiracy." Yeah. People love to see, particularly in politics. Oh, they've yeah. done that on purpose because of that. Usually someone just forgot to print it off, <laughs> got the date wrong. Like, I've made so many mistakes. Because it's at the end of the day, the world is run by people. Yeah. And people are flawed. And people yeah. make mistakes. People panic. Yeah. People forget. You know, and yeah. then human error is usually at the cause, yeah. at, the, at, the, at the heart of things. So um, on the whole, I think most things are... are a cock up rather than a conspiracy. They're also quite, conspiracy theorists tend to be quite a, uh, they feel like a selective community. So it probably links back to some of what you were saying about being part of a party. There's something about being part of a small group of people who think they've got an answer or yes. in, a, in a similar way, I guess. I guess there's, which is where the internet has probably fueled so much because you can create that kind of communal feeling. Well, that's it. And if, you know, you're alone in your flat mm. on your laptop, mm. but you log online and you're part of a global community. Yeah. And that's a, that, that has huge positives, yeah. but also in terms of misinformation, <laughs> and um, there is something slightly cultish about it. Yeah. And, you know, you can easily look at these things and say, well, it's harmless. But I don't think it is. And mm. I think if you're... I remember Andrew Maxwell made a great TV show for BBC Three years ago. I think it was called Conspiracy Coach yeah. Trip, yeah. where he took these 9-11... <laughs> conspiracy theorists yeah. and showed them how easy it was to hijack a plane and fly yeah. into a building you know there was all this thing about what's the what's the phrase grief actors or something yeah yeah where yeah, they yeah, think yeah, that yeah. The, the relatives yeah. are paid actors yeah. and they met a woman whose child died yeah. in one of the planes and that was at the point where one of the blokes was like actually I do I do yeah. this has really changed my mind yeah. and when you see the distress it causes to people who are involved in these things and died in them yeah. then it's not harmless really and also you're yeah. spreading you're kind of making people a bit stupider than they should be and that's yeah. never a positive thing where's hope how do we find a space for people to kind of do that obviously what you do is you use humour you get up yeah. and you make people laugh and hopefully at the end of it they've learned a bit more because I think that's one of the things about your shows I remember the first time I ever saw you was at Edinburgh and I remember coming away I hadn't I hadn't seen you or heard of anything you'd done before I remember coming away feeling like hey I really really laughed but I'd also Learnt some stuff I didn't know about politics oh, before. Oh man, well that's that's um, that's the highest praise I can get. Really, so, and is that what you try to do? Is it intentional? I do a bit. Well, I suppose it's a kind of to some extent, yeah. And what I think I've sort of stumbled on that. I would mm. never have said I want people to come to my shows and learn. <laughs> you know, I always mm. wanted to make people mm. laugh, and that has to be the number mm. one priority of any comedy show. But I just think, given the situation we're in. I'm an obsessive for detail and things like that, and I mm. read select committee reports mm. and I read. All sorts of mm. boring things. But you will in every government report, in every... There is some detail that is really good for comedy. Mm. There's, a, there's always a contradiction or an odd fact. Mm. And I think if I can shine a light on that, then it, then it does give people a bit more information mm. in a way that they wouldn't have got elsewhere. And you can ram it home with humour, which, mm. is, which is great. But I would never... I think it's quite a grand claim 
to be educating people. Um, but I, if, if people say that, it does mean a lot because mm. I think it's a really mm. nice thing for people to take from it. The hope that has always existed, and I really think this is, no matter what period in, in time we are going through, the vast majority of people are good people. Mm. Some people make bad decisions. Some people make... I mean, most people make... We all make mistakes, and that's like a given. But I just think, on the whole, the vast majority of people are really good. So Twitter isn't a true reflection of where the world mm. is. And even then, it's not a true reflection of the, those people that mm. sometimes make abusive comments. So that's something worth remembering. I also think, on a really fundamental level, life is amazing. I just think the odds of being born are so long, and then you're on this planet where... I mean, the difference the sun makes to your mood mm -hmm. is profound. Mm -hmm. And there's so much in life to be enjoyed for free. Now, mm. obviously, I say that from the relative privilege of living mm. in Britain, of living in peacetime, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of not having grown up in a war-torn country or anything like that. So I'm mm. not being flippant about the struggles. I think you're being face. grateful for it. Like, yeah, that's very that's part of it, right? And even in those places, you will find hope because mm. there are still, there's still humour and there's still mm. love. And, mm. you know, the, it, there is something really special, I think, about being a human being. Mm. We're, we're born with a capacity to really laugh at our own misfortune, yeah. to uh, to really appreciate other people. And in life, well, you know what I really love about life is you can always make a new friend. And there are some people, you, you would look at your life and probably go, I've got all the friends I need. Mm. And then that afternoon, you could be introduced to someone and go, this is incredible, I just met someone... Amazing, mm. and then you could go for dinner with them, or you could go watch a football, or, what, or whatever. You've got an extra person who you're going to learn from, who you're going to laugh with, and all those things. You just think life constantly throws things at mm. you, and often they're they're very hard. Whether it's bereavement, mm. death, in this mm. case, obviously today, mm. um, but we are we are we are given the natural resources mm. to to overcome those things mm. within ourselves. Um, and I just think, on the whole, you know, my God, you can just sit in a park, have an ice cream. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to enjoy about life mm. music and all these things and I think on the whole I, I, I probably count myself quite lucky that I'm an optimist mm. but I think there are enough optimists in the world and I think most people are good and in the end as throughout history we have a we always find a way to save ourselves love it it's almost time to uh, send you back to the land of the living. Oh wow! I get, I get. Do I get reincarnated? You do or? in a minute. But before you do, I need to know: Is there anything you think God would want to ask you? Oh, I mean, I suppose if there is a God, they would know. I suppose they wouldn't if they're omnipotent and omnipresent, mm. and they would, they would know my innermost thoughts. I mean, that always freaked me out as a child, thinking. God was watching, you know, particularly when you went through puberty. It's tricky. <laughs> um, um, I struggle to think what anyone would want to ask me. Like, oh, God, <laughs> I don't think there's any great thing that I could impart on people. Maybe he'd probably ask me why, why I wasn't slightly healthier. You could say you went for a run yesterday. I went for a run yesterday. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, and that's it for this episode. The good news is uh, the fall was minor. So you, you've made it back on stage for the second half oh, songs and perfect. all yeah oh. you're there um, I'm going to be back next time to kill off another guest and find out what they want to know on God Only Knows A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 